0: Hello, and welcome to Groove Therapy, a podcast that explores the effects of live music on our brains, bodies, and our lives, and provides a space for you, our listener, to learn more about how you can bring the magic of live music into your everyday life. My name is Dr. Leah Taylor, and I am joined here with my fantastic co-host, Tara Lee Weathers.
1: Hi, everybody. Hi. And hi, Leah. How are you today?
0: I am doing very well. I'm really excited about this exclusive interview that we have gotten for today.
1: Yeah, Chimkata is such an amazing band and getting to talk to them about what lights them up and their inspiration and what it was like to take a break and get back together. It was just really inspiring and interesting. So I'm really looking forward to everybody hearing all about that.
0: I know, me too. Before we dive into that, though, would you like to lead us through some breathing so we can kind of all become a little bit more present?
1: I would love to. It would be an honor. So if it's available to you and you're not driving or operating any machinery or whatever it is that would make this unsafe, if it's available to you, put your hands on your heart and feel your heartbeat in your chest and close your eyes. We'll take three deep breaths together. So take a deep breath in through your nose. Exhale out your mouth. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. And exhale. And may you be present and in the moment with us. So, this episode can inspire the crap out of you. And so it is.
0: <laughs> Not in a bad way, though. <laughs>
1: yeah, in a good way. <laughs>
0: and so it is. <laughs> yeah. So, as Tara Lee mentioned, we have the band Jim Cotta here. Well, actually, we have two members of the three piece. Band Jim Cotta. And so for this episode, we have Evan and we have Packy, and we were missing Aaron, but he was certainly here in spirit. Yes, so, I felt him. Yes, yes. So Jim Cotta is a New York based band, and they have been playing together since childhood, like really since middle school. So they have a really strong relationship with each other. And as you will hear in this interview, also with their fans. And they went on hiatus, an indefinite hiatus in 2017. So nobody really knew whether they were going to be back or not. But they just needed a little bit of time off. And now they are back and they've been playing together. They have a new album out, Bonfires, which came out. Last year, 2021, you can stream on all of the places or support them by buying a CD. And they have an upcoming West Coast tour coming up Well, they're starting in Colorado and then they're going to head to California and then finish up at the Gem and Jam Festival in Arizona.
1: Well, I hope that everyone out there can go to all of those things <laughs> because you are in for a treat.
0: Yeah, it was so fun to really listen to their process of what it was like to decide to take some time off and then why they decided to come back and then just how it's been since they have been back playing music, you know, recording this new album, Bonfires, and then also taking that material and playing it out for people in live shows in the Northeast. And now they're ready to. Take it across the country to the rest of the nation.
1: Yeah, it's their comeback tour. And it sounds like they're back and better than ever. And also with this new positive outlook, they're like rejuvenated and like ready to like take the world by storm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It definitely sounds like the break was really beneficial and they learned so much. And I just loved all of the aspects that we touched on in this interview that are just so related to so many things that we talk about here on the Groove Therapy podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they were kind of
0: like a perfect fit. And I know we didn't even know it kind of just came together magically. So, yeah. It's
1: because magic is
0: normal. <laughs> and I'm
1: so grateful.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and get to the interview so we can hear more from Evan and Packy?
1: All right. Let's do it. We'll be right back.
0: All right, and welcome back. We have Evan and Paki here from Gymkata. Welcome, guys. It's good to be here. Thank you. So nice to have you. I'm really excited that we get to talk about your comeback and the time off that you guys have had and your new shows that you have coming up starting this week. Mm -hmm. Why don't we start at the beginning? So I don't know how much talk you guys have have done about your hiatus or about like, I know you guys played together for a really long time and then decided to take some time off. Is there anything that you guys would like to say about kind of that decision to take some time off and what that was like for everybody?
2: Yeah, I think that when we made that choice originally, it was at a point where we had been working real hard for a long time and we were starting to feel a little burnt out like we were spinning our wheels a little bit and didn't know what was going to look like but we knew we needed to take a break and take a step back so i think those years were really challenging for all of us because we very much identify with being musicians and very much identify with our music and what we put out but i think that's the perspective that we got out of it that and we received countless messages from fans and people just expressing their support and what the music had meant to them over the years and when we played our last shows we did some farewell shows in 2017 and they were all fantastic but just emotionally heavy people are handing you Letters and just really pouring their heart out to you in person or online or, you know, with with a letter or whatever. And as we stepped away from that, marking it with those last shows and having that with us, carrying all of that with us, I think we were able to get perspective and recognize how important what we had done was. And eventually decided to come around and put music out again. But it was a journey and uh, one where we, I think, gained a lot of perspective and just sort of respect for ourselves and what we had done and that it was sort of amazing. It was bigger than us in a lot of ways. And yeah, so coming back has been fun. It's like we haven't really missed much of a beat. We all, we play together really well. We always have. Um, That's always been the easy part. So yeah, at this point, I think we just have a newfound sense of gratitude for just doing it at all, especially with the added layer of the pandemic and the lockdowns and all that stuff and what it did to musicians. And venues and all of that, I think we just kind of have um, a little bit more gratitude. It's a little more simple. It's like, let's just get out there and play this show. And some of the uh, the external factors that maybe we got caught in up in previously are um, not as big of a force, at least for me, I feel like mentally. but yeah,
1: yeah, during the hiatus, were you playing music at all? Like were you playing in other? bands or playing live streams or what were you doing like was the music still alive or was it like i just need to step away completely for a little while that might be different for the two of you well
3: no we we immediately like we got hired to play with another artist for like a string of shows and that kind of brought us to california for a month for the first time to do like a residency out there and he and i had always like collaborated on tracks and songs and like i would always dj and evan had always played like solo shows so like we we did keep playing But I think that's what made it so weird. It was like, well, if if we're all just doing this, then like, why wouldn't we just do it as the band again? Like that's what everybody wants to see, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, can you describe some of the feedback that you got from the fans, like from those letters or emails that really touched kind of at your heartstrings or pulled you to come back?
2: Yeah. There was one that I got that I kept on my desk for a long time. Somebody just kind of wrote a long email with their story. And there's somebody that had, they went to all of our farewell shows, I believe, and just shared a little bit about their personal struggle and their story. And I believe uh, it involved losing somebody to cancer, something along those lines, health uh, issues and loss. And 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 they sort of parsed out each a little letter to each of us in a way in there about what they appreciate about all of us. And at a time when I was really beating myself up and not like believing in myself losing faith a little bit it was really powerful you know and that's just one story we hear and and right now as we've done some shows coming back we we get all the time people will will tell us their story and I a lot of people that have been struggling with depression or um, recovery from drugs or alcohol just saying you know hey like this music got me through so like thank you in a way that's you can tell they are just saying the thank you is really deep and that's like almost hard to receive because in a way it's like uh, the way i feel about it is like that's not me really uh that's just the music doing what it does and um so it's, it's humbling it's yeah it's really cool when it get it, it always kind of like gives us a little more of a boost whenever you're sort of in doubt of like, well, if we're we're doing this, if the music is doing this, then clearly we're doing something right. And we need to keep going, you
3: know, you can get too close to it almost where you forget that, that that's the effect that you have over a lot of people. And like, they, you know, they need your music and they need to come out and see the shows like taking the time off. I think just that, that just became more and more evident with us being gone and yeah, I think that's why it was like a great time, especially like after everybody was forced to stay inside for the last, you know, year and a half, two years. And I think that like now, like when like the few shows we've done since we've been back, there's like such a sense of urgency behind it now because people are like, we physically can't see shows like we're like, you know, we're not allowed to. And now we can again.
1: Yeah. I forget who was telling me this, but they were they were a musician as well. And we're talking about. How they what, like growing up? They wanted to be a rock star, but then now that they're a musician, they're like, actually, I he, he was like, I want to be a medicine man, mm. and that the music is the medicine, and I want to deliver like this medicine to the people. And so it sounds like that's what you're doing, and it's it's really cool because people can decide what kind of medicine they want to take. Like they're like, I want to prescribe myself some Jim cotta
2: Yeah, I relate to that a bit. Like I think in the sense of the longer you do this. When you're younger, yeah, it, it's definitely like, I want to be a rock star. I want to sell out big venues. And it's more of this sort of intangible dream of what you want to happen. That's sort of just based on watching a lot of VH1 behind the music, you know, stuff <laughs> yeah. like that, and t- too many documentaries about your favorite musicians. And then the hardest part is to appreciate what's happening right now. I think as a musician or really anybody in any sort of career where it's like aspirational and you're trying to climb a ladder and et cetera. I think that's been the the big part of this is realizing, oh, we already have built an audience. We already have built this fan base. And the aspiration is, it's not like I want to be a rock star. It's more just like, oh, this is cool. I, I, you know, I like doing this right now. If we can just kind of keep doing this and grow it and provide this
3: for people, I'm good. You get too close to it. It's like you said, you forget what you mean to people. And like in California, like I remember one of my coworkers he was like, so you guys seem like you have a thing, like, like, you know, why did the band stop? And I was like, well, it just wasn't like, you know, just wasn't wasn't working for where we were at anymore. And he like had the video of us playing it, like live. He just turned around. And he's just like, looks like it's working to me. <laughs> 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 I guess he's right. Like that's, you know, you can get too close to it to really feel like growing and getting places and like your your message is getting received. And like sometimes, yeah, if like once you have the time away from it, you realize like how much you have built and how much of the work you've already been through. Anybody is into your music is like remarkable in today where the channels are so wide open and people like their attention spans are so short and they can literally listen to and follow up on whoever. So it's overstimulating. So the fact that like you end up in somebody's net in the first place, I've realized that that's really special. That's and that's really hard to do still.
0: Yeah. What do you think helped you guys to be able to create such relationship with your fans?
3: Years and years and years of playing the same circuits, I would say. Playing the same circuits. And, you know, when we started, we would just be
2: crashing in people's houses that we met. So it's like we made a lot of relationships. We made a lot of friends in different parts of the country. And people, I think, could feel close to us in uh unique ways, you know. So I think that's a big part of it. And then I think gradually people have always been in our corner. So I think gradually over time, it's like people, the passionate ones about us would help spread the word. I think that's a big part of it. But like that's that's also the flip side of that is in terms of kind of how we ended up where where we were decided to take a break is I think that's one of the things that when you lose perspective and you get being too close to it, a lot of that comes from kind of the grind of being on the road all the time and being in an uncomfortable situation, sleeping at houses, weird houses, and just various countless stories to come out of that. But after a while, you're like, dang, I don't know how many more uh, hours
3: I can spend in the van or, or whatever it is. So pizza and alcohol. <laughs> What's that? Mm-hmm. So my fingers are swollen from too much pizza and alcohol.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the decision to come back. Like, whose idea was that? Did you guys decide together and what was that process like?
2: Well, I think like I just stayed writing constantly and there was like a little bit of a fire that I felt of in a way I felt like I perceived like a rejection as if we weren't good enough or cool enough or whatever that was. And so I kind of used that as like a, fuel in a way or like damn it i don't care what anyone says i'm just gonna make music i don't i don't give a fuck who listens to it i'm just gonna i'm just gonna keep making stuff so i just like spent a lot of time just writing and not that that was the so now that that was the inspiration behind every song because i think that would probably create some stupid yeah. music but like it was a fuel it was like a re-belief in myself in a way of like no this is good this is good enough and then Hacky was there and we were we work on stuff together there and then gradually it just we brought aaron back into the fold and just started working on music again together and just kind of happened naturally i think after a little bit of time away and everybody getting to decompress or experience some other things or imagine life without doing this and decide what your priorities are what you want to do so once we all chatted and brought it back it started to kind of unfold pretty naturally
3: also like without a tour schedule and like an album release cycle there was just like a lot of time on all of our hands like for me at least like i realized just how much my brain capacity was just occupied with just Jim, the world of jimkata and everything it takes to keep a band like on the you know, touring and on the road and so i think like with that luxury of time like evan said there was it, so much material was just getting like produced out of that time off in a way and yeah like we took so much i would say more time with this record like our tour schedule used to kind of like dictate when the albums would come out because it used to just be you tour and then you record, then you put out the record and then you tour to support the record and then you record again because now that record's old and you got to do something new. And any ex, I think that there was like a luxury that we had never had before.
1: Yeah. How has, so when, before your hiatus to so now, how has your sound like evolved and changed or has it?
3: I think it's just a natural evolution of where we've always been going. I think with every single record, we've kind of been getting a little more and more refined like it's everything in the studio has been about you know the rules if you have a demo and there's a layer on it like that you like but you can replace it's like if we can't replace it then like that stays in and just whittling it down to absolutely what needs to be there and i think with the time away too like we really started focusing more on making the recording sound as good as they possibly could And really like, you know, adopting the kind of techniques that we had picked up along the way to make this like a project that sounded like the best versions of us.
2: Yeah, when we started, we started as a band playing in a basement and be like, I got an idea. And then we would just jam on that riff for a while until we would figure out songs, you know, in a room, but had no idea anything about recording necessarily until the first time we went to a studio and then gradually And we became fascinated with the capabilities of that. And then gradually, as it's become easier as a musician to have technology at home, we sort of embraced that and all gradually got more interested in the recording technology and being able to express an idea further before you go into a studio. So even this last round, like the demos we made, there was a lot more that we kept out of the demos than any time previously. We might have... Previously, like, been playing some songs on the road, and then just went into the recording studio and tracked them. And it wasn't until we actually were in there, spending time and money recording, and hearing it back for the first time,
3: realizing like, oh, maybe we should do this or do that. Or if we had any, what's that? (laughs) Or listening in hindsight, being like, why did we do it that way? Like, it's so obvious that we would have done it this way.
2: So yeah, I think I think our path, and probably other musicians of our age, their path is gone alongside this increase in, in the availability of recording technology. And it's sort of an infinite world. You can really, as you start to understand it more, it's just easier to like express an idea uh, more accurately, like right out of the gate. You don't have to describe
3: a sound that you're looking for. You just make the sound. Right.
0: Yeah. It sounds like too, you guys have been more intentional. With thanks, being able to have the opportunity to choose how you create this album Bonfires and also whether you are doing this because you really want to or are you just doing this because you're like continuing to follow the wheel, kind of like the hamster wheel, like keep it going and it's just going and it's going and it's going. And as you were able to take a break, it almost feels like a little spiritual. And I don't know if you guys would say this, but... Like that aspect of like looking at it from a not as yourself, but as like what Jimkata has become. And it's like this thing that you three are driving this. Of course, you are the creation of this, but it's so much larger than you. And it's not just the three of you or your support team behind you, but it's like all of these other people that it's filtrated out into that it's really changed the lives of countless people that you know when you're spinning that wheel it's like you don't have the opportunity to look around and notice that but as you took time off you could really
3: become aware of that absolutely that's the perspective we didn't have that we mm. that time off like i guess as a long way to answer the original question of, <laughs> of like how things have changed or evolved I think like I've always
2: felt like my role in the broad product perspective, I've always felt like a a strong identity with music and being a musician. And and as you get older, you realize that like, you know, that's kind of unique. You know, there are a lot of musicians out there, of course, but I've always felt like a calling towards that. So anytime that I start to question or think about, I don't know if this is going so well, I should go a different way. It always comes back to that. I remember there was a show that we played. Early on, maybe in like 2011 or 2012 or something, we were in Cortland and it was like this random bar or something. And the...
0: Packet, you're laughing. You obviously remember this. <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, There were a couple of Cortland shows that were pretty wild and people were freaking out. And already, I think we might have had one album or something out, but people already knew the words and singing along and freaking out and having a good time. I just feel like we people, there was an energy about what we were putting out and people always... At our shows, the vibe is always so good. So anyways, after this show, I just remember this, or maybe it was after the first set or something, there was this woman that was there, older woman, and she came up to me and was like, sort of from a, I think she may have been like Christian, just sort of religious uh, person and she was like do you realize like what you're doing like look what you're doing like this is creating such a like look how they're reacting this is creating such a good thing like mm-hmm. this is you need to do this and you need to realize how important this is like the like, she was very driving into me how important it was spiritually like look look at the reaction you're creating because it's like they weren't seeing that reaction at that bar every night you know what i mean this is different mm-hmm. and it was like yeah cool thanks like i yeah, like I did feel that way, but sometimes it's like somebody else like driving home for you being like, look what you're doing. It's so important spiritually. It, it was like, okay, cool. I guess let's, let's keep going.
3: Have numbers like this at the congregation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's like, we get 20 people at church. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we talk about that a lot. One of the reasons that Tara Lee and I are here doing this group therapy podcast is to really highlight the importance of these experiences and to help, of course, people who go to see music and who are really passionate about music. We know that. But it's like sometimes Talking about it, bringing language to the experience, just like that woman did for you guys, allows us to appreciate it in a different way and to really see what's really happening. And as you guys have been talking, I have been thinking about recently in the last few episodes, really since we interviewed Ezra Lip, who's a drummer, who he lived in Vermont for a while, but he was talking about how he sees music as having... Filling these four different aspects like cognitive, somatic, so body, spiritual, and then also emotional. And I know with your music, you have the lyrics and the songwriting that can pull people in cognitively and emotionally, but then it's laid upon these real danceable beats. So you also have that somatic piece where like people are moving and then. Absolutely. It sounds like you're creating a spiritual experience for people, too. So it really sounds like your music has all of those four aspects. And I think that when bands can fill all of those, it can be an extremely powerful experience for people that is actually really hard to put into words, but they feel it. And just like that woman was saying, like, there's something really special happening here.
2: Yeah. I think that that's an interesting breakdown of, of the element. And I think we identify with that because it's like we, at our shows, we, it's like, we want the bass to be very present. And it's like, why is EDM stuff so big? Because it's so somatic. You know, whatever the body mm-hmm. is feeling this, ooh, this wave. Yeah, we want that to be present. We want the rhythm to be very present and exciting. And then we do, when we produce things, like we do want to like, there's the cognitive level. We want to hide all these little intricate layers into the music somewhere, a melody and then a counter melody and then another polyrhythm. And, the, and then of course, emotionally, it's like that comes from the chord changes and progressions in t- combination with the particular words or particular vowel sounds, et cetera. And I think that's a good breakdown of it. It's like the, you want to hit all those elements, whatever that is. Because mm-hmm. I think you could probably say, you could probably think of music that maybe is largely cognitive like a, some sort of progressive rock type thing that's very intricate and that's satisfying you know there's different music from the different food groups i guess or whatever you know mm-hmm. or like edm is very satisfying
3: in that one realm of like make you know want, makes you want to dance you know Andes and the fats and oils you're not supposed to have too much of yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <man. laughs>
3: yeah yeah the food pyramid
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've got all the food groups and that's why people feel <laughs> yeah. so holistically amazing when they see you. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I think that's, that's it. I think we're trying to check those boxes.
1: Yeah. Well-balanced
3: meal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like Cotta, it's what's for breakfast.
3: That's right. <laughs> like that because like, like, I, I think that just dynamics have so much to do with that. Like if, you, if all your music just does this and it's just here, like it's lost on the listener, like then unless you bring it back down. And you kind of have those peaks and valleys, because like you get numb to whatever it is. Like if you're constantly playing soft too, the moment you take it up a little bit, then it really resonates a lot harder because of the just of the the range that you're you're giving to people. Right.
0: Yeah, and I think that pulls in the emotional quality of the music because at least for me as a listener and an experiencer of music like it's those peaks and valleys that really pull at my heart or my emotions you know it's like it's not just level which is i know a lot of people like music like that
1: but that's just not what gets me i like to have that emotional
0: ride
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah yeah absolutely
1: yeah like there's nothing like that feeling when that like peak like comes in and you're just like ah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you can't even control it like everything comes out and then those quiet moments too when it goes down sure. it just like feels so good
0: yeah
2: mm-hmm. yeah like a, like a like a fish yeah, show <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: like waiting in the velvet sea and then the next thing you you know whatever like, he like there, and it's, 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 ah, it's like way up here you know they they kind of hit all those things really well
1: if they tweezered us the whole time, yeah. <laughs> it would be like really crazy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: It's like, yeah, but, but that's, that's, that's exactly what I was saying. Like you need the dynamics for people to, I think for it to be effective enough to be received.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I think that's been so interesting so-
2: for us as a band sort of coming back and playing again and, one of the things that we found happened over time is gradually more people knew our songs and when we went to play a show that's a good thing yeah as a band you want people to know your songs so people start singing along and they have favorite songs and sometimes it's surprising which songs tend to take off like this last show we are what was it, uh, hartford we played jumping out of airplanes, which is sort of like a slower song for us. It's more uh, it's it's groove oriented, ethereal. It's anyways, I looked out and like people were like crowd surfing. yeah, so this song you were like raging and like screaming the lyrics out at the top of their lungs. and I was like, cool. like I that makes me really happy. like it's it's interesting. I think sometimes as a musician, you don't always have to surprising sometimes. you, you might think that you have to like present this like loud wall of sound to get that reaction but sometimes you're like pulling people in yeah. by having a good melody and a, something that reaches them and you're going to create that reaction with that as opposed to mm-hmm. like trying to just go for wow factor
3: I remember being startled by that reaction in Hartford, I evan like yeah. I remember, like you know you have the little sample going in the beginning and then the second you the beat starts and like the the synth coming and i just remember like starting the song and hearing like over the in your mind it's was like <laughs> and like <I> at <laughs> first I like almost thought that something was going on. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like I looked out, and I realized like, oh yeah, like that was, that's just, we just started jumping and like people are going nuts.
2: Yeah. I had a vocal teacher once taking some voice lessons with this guy's very interesting guy, former uh, IC professor, I want to say. And he said something to me once about singing that I've thought about it sort of a lot since then That. He was like, you are a receiver, not a transmitter, basically, as the, the singer, this could be true for any music, but you need to be in your own world, you know, sort of like, feeling the music. And then people will catch on as opposed to like, more like Broadway esque, uh, you know, to like trying to transmit. So that's always stuck with me ever since then about the idea of pulling people in as opposed to feeling like you got to push something out. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that takes a lot of trust in the process,
3: right. too. Well, to put yourself out there, too, as a vulnerable state. Like, you know, for having to, like, sing songs that he wrote and wrote all the lyrics for and to have people singing along, that's a big trust that you take between, like, showing yourself to the audience and seeing, like, how everybody feels about it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's scary. It's real, it's scary when you, especially when you're about to put something out for the first time. And even in hindsight, it's like, I still, like, will look at some things that we wrote and be like, duh stupid <laughs> you know or like I don't know I just I don't like the way I wrote something or braids I don't whatever I think that'll always happen but there's when you get that validation of someone having taken the song into their own life and given it new meaning for them it's really powerful and at least you kind of feel like okay I guess I'm doing something right
0: Yeah. And I think being able to go to that vulnerable place and like show up in that way, in my mind, in my experience, that's what creates a deep connection with other people. Mm -hmm. Because it's like you are brave enough to be able to show yourself fully. And when a band is able to show themselves fully, then I, as an audience member, feel like I can be myself fully. And then that's like what drops. In that connection
2: yeah and just the relation thing like I mean we all we all know it. it's like you, you all have songs that you were there for you in a certain time and then if you're at a show and it's like they, they're singing that song you're gonna like mm-hmm. feel it from from what you were going through in your life and then like as the person's on stage it's like it's pretty powerful when you actually step back and like think about it sometimes I can't think about it because it's like too much
0: <laughs> Mm-hmm.
1: And the audience, they fully trust you because you are doing something brave by being vulnerable and putting yourself out there. And so they're like, "Okay, this is like a person I can actually trust, which I think is why you have so many loyal fans, because they trust you. And when you trust a band, you allow yourself to have an amazing transformative experience. But you can't really have that if you don't trust the band to take you there. Yeah, And so if they're not doing that practice themselves, then likely like you're not going to trust them.
2: Yeah, I think that that's an interesting point like about trust. because I think that's, I guess, as a band or whatever, that's what you're doing over time. Is you're earning trust so that essentially it starts to feel easier in a way when you show up to play a show because it's like you, it goes both ways. It's like, as the band, you kind of trust that like they trust me. I I trust that like this show is going to be awesome because everybody here is so psyched and that feels really good. And then you can kind of build upon that and it can grow. You know, Um, I think the harder parts of our career have been like when we started and just touring, nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows who you are. Never heard your music. They have no reason to care whatsoever. And you're just, what's that? You're in the way of karaoke happening later that night,
3: yeah, yeah
2: <laughs> right. And you're just like hoping that ten people show up and they like you and you party with them or something. and then the next time they bring their friends. And that's what that's what it was for us. That's what we were doing all around the country. <laughs> and like, you know it's cool now. It's like now our music is much more accessible, you know, with, I think there was a shift to streaming in the last 10 years or so. Because for a little while it was like you had to like get your CDs out there, and then people could get it on iTunes and stuff, but streaming wasn't so big yet. I think that's helped us quite a bit in a way, having it be more accessible. Yeah. Other than that, it was like somebody would have our CD in their car. And every time their friends got in the car, they'd be like, You're always playing Jim Carter, man. What the wood." <laughs> and then after a while? They might be like, actually, this is pretty good, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. then they show up to the show. And then, you know, it, it takes a while to get trust and validity, like, like that you're valid. This is good. <laughs> There's it's like a cognitive thing. Like, I, I don't know. People need to see other people enjoying it to, like, believe that mm-hmm. it's good. And it, mm-hmm. it takes a few special people that get it right away, like to help you out.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. I wrote a book and I was doing a book tour and I remember this one thing I got like invited to open up for a band to talk about the book and so nobody really knew who I was or what my book was about and I was with Ryan Blue, and I was like telling him and I was like nobody in the audience knows me like I'm used to leading retreats or like doing things where everybody in the room knows me and they already like me and trust me so that like feels easy and I was like this is so scary you just go out there and like <laughs> talk to them and no one knows you and he's like yeah that's what it was like to be in a band <laughs> over like ever <laughs> is that you're playing in a room full of people where nobody knows you and you have to create the relationship from there and it's way different than just like playing for your friends or at like something where people already know you so now like you've come to a spot where most places you play everybody knows you and that's amazing and that's because you took the chance by playing for A room where no one knew you.
2: Yeah, and we'll still. It never ends. You're still. We'll still be playing places where we're playing to new crowds, et cetera. But because we have, because we know that people like us, (laughs) a little (laughs) more. Like it's we're going to convert these people. It's all good. Let's just do our. Mm -hmm. Let's put on the best show we can because we already have people in different places that would kill to be here, even if there's five people at this place, or or we're playing at a festival where we're we're new Mm -hmm. to a lot of people. It gives you a little more faith. Like once you kind of build it and have people supporting already, it's easier to. To have confidence in yourself, Ryan's really good at that. I see. I, I've seen a show or two of his, and he's got that uh, bore with the crowd that's like so natural. I remember
3: seeing that when I saw him play out in L.A. And he met up with uh, Russ and I the next day in Venice, and we were going up the boardwalk, and he was just holding court with like anybody walking by. And it was funny because like just, like, <laughs> it felt like we'd be going, and then somebody else would like step in and join the conversation, and then it would keep like, down the boardwalk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. He'll also call out people who are like being inappropriate at his shows too. Or if it's like a quiet song and someone's talking, he'll like call them out. Yeah. I've seen it. And he does it so masterfully.
2: Right. That, yeah, masterfully is the word. It's like hard to do things like that and make it to just be so natural at it. It's a it's definitely a gift of just, and also something from being on stage for so long all the time, so many concerts, you just kind of get it after a yeah. while. Hmm.
0: Well, let's talk about your upcoming tour dates that you guys have. You are about to head to the West Coast. You're gonna start in Colorado for four nights and then head to California for yeah. three nights and then end at the Gem and Jam Festival in Arizona, right?
1: Yeah, the big comeback tour. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what are you guys most excited about? for about that or tell us a little bit about
2: your thoughts. i'm excited just to take this trip in the middle of january here in in upstate new york we're flying for the first time which is cool so there's a lot of things to be anxious about with that in terms of planning and getting everything we need but like i don't know i think we're all excited to be back in colorado denver um, colorado in general has been very supportive of us over the years there was a time where we would to go there like three times a year or something like I, people thought we were from there but we were driving so nice to not have to do that long drive across nebraska or kansas or whatever but yeah that'll be good and then uh it's our first time playing southern california Packie and i lived there for a couple of years at least and um always wanted to play there but at that time our band wasn't even together <laughs> and so i'm excited that that come together and then uh, we'll drive across the desert overnight, Tucson for Gem and Jam, and I'm—I've heard it's a pretty wild scene, so I'm kind of excited to see that too.
0: Awesome, yeah. I haven't been to that festival, but I—I I would like to go. It's on my radar.
1: Yeah, me too. Wish I was going this year. I could go see you guys play. It'd be fun. Yeah. Well, and Packy, what are you most excited about?
3: I'm like Evan said. I'm excited to get back to Southern California, especially at this time of year, and I think it's going to feel like. For a lot of people showing up that, like, are aware of us, or, like, you know, or, or, like, we maybe we're working with out there, it's going to be a lot of, like, yeah, see, I told you. Like, I, I have a band, see? like this, is... It's real. <laughs> I think there's Specifically, there's a lot of people who move there, I think, with big intentions, and they move there, and they, in short, a lot, there's just a lot of liars, I think. A lot of people that are, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I'm, I'm producing a new record, and I'm putting it out, and I'm, like, being quoted by a label, and, like, a lot of times people just they don't they have a disconnection with like a like an like a reality of being in a band and being on stage and playing shows and you know they might have one show coming up in a year and that's what they're working on and towards but like that's why like for a lot of people that we knew out there like for it felt like a previous life that was like the tour the, the life that we had had before so it was interesting to like talk to people about my experiences. And now like we get to go back and actually like show them like what we've like, what, what we've always done. Yeah. I would have similar
2: experiences out there where I was just bartending and talking to some coworkers or somebody and tell them about the bands that I was in. And then eventually like they actually look it up and they come back, you know, the next day or week later, they're like, dude, your band's really good. Like, what are you guys, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you doing that? Like, it's pretty cool and you guys have a bunch of followers and stuff like that's part of the perspective process that we had of people just that that didn't know who we were are are at all actually like looking at it and being like what are you guys doing (laughs) especially (laughs) other people that were trying to build their own careers and whatever in in, in la to like give us that feedback that
3: looks like you guys are already doing pretty well it's like yeah oh (laughs) yeah very looking forward to gem and jim
0: That's awesome. Well, it definitely sounds like the live experience is something super special. So, you guys are starting in Steamboat Springs and then ending in Denver, and uh, people can still buy tickets for these shows and come out and
1: support you.
2: That is correct. It's going to be a good time. I promise you that. Yeah.
1: Yes. And they can stream bonfires. So, to get a taste of, what you're like before they head to the show
3: exactly. yeah we also put out a video for every track that's on bonfires so if you go to youtube all 10 tracks have a, a brand new video for them
0: cool that's awesome who is the mastermind behind that
3: well we we worked with different directors and artists uh, for every single one the, the idea was to like involve as many people and kind of like we were saying before like you know show dynamics show range show like you know just visually how like different like some of the different songs could be yeah that was sort of a part of this approach
2: was uh, we wanted to have a little more like visual uh art oriented uh with the music like i said you know in the in the past it was just always always live show always touring on the road and with this time around we wanted to focus a little bit on sort of like dialing in a aesthetic of the whole thing as well.
1: Awesome. Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners before you head out for the rest of your day?
3: Just, uh, you know, thanks for having us on. And, and thanks for listening. Yeah. Yeah. Hope to see some people
2: out there.
0: Yeah. And they can pick up tickets from your website. They can check out the whole tour. Is it Jimcotta.com?
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. com. Okay. All the tour dates are there. So it's going to be a good time. Amazing. Sell out you'll, all
1: these shows. you leave
2: happier than when you came in. That's maybe sweat- ah. may sweatier. Maybe sweatier. So. What happiness yes. guarantee. That's been the vibe yeah, yeah. so far on all the shows we've played. It's just like this ecstatic, crazy energy that I don't even remember from before. Like it's even more intense because there's a new... Yeah. With the setting of things going on right now and having been through the lockdowns and all this isolation and loneliness and and us being away for a little while, but even prior to that, there's just so much cathartic uh, energy and it's just been so fun. So if that sounds good to you, then Mm -hmm. you should probably come.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think we can all use more of that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, both of you, Evan and Packy, for being here. Yeah, and we will be right back. Welcome back, everyone. So that was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm even more into Jim Gymkata than I was before, just like getting to know them as people. You know, their music is so great. But knowing all of this about them, you take it to like another level of admiration.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know that was really cool to get to talk to them about, you know, just a little bit deeper into their experience and process than surface level that more than meets the eye, I guess we could say.
1: Yeah, like this is the stuff that makes me so excited and like why we have this podcast because you get to like learn the inner workings of, of what is going on for musicians in their lives and their music and why they do what they do and what inspires them and what's hard for them and what's scary for them. And I feel like it's just so insightful to have that. And like we talked about trust a lot and like this makes me trust them so much. So I know that when I go to a show, I can have this like amazing, impactful, like big experience.
0: Yeah, I would also love to talk to them after this tour because I feel like kind of some of the things that we talked about may have like planted little seeds in their brain that they might be. I feel like we talked about things looking at them in kind of a different way than maybe they had before. And so I'm really curious to see how our conversation impacts their experience after.
1: Yeah. 100%. Well, 100%. So <laughs> if you're all listening, all of Jim Cotta, we want you back. <laughs> yes, yes. Come back
0: for a follow up. We'll have to hear how it went. Yeah. But yeah, that experience of trust is, I just think, so important for that audience and band relationship. And it definitely sounds like they have created that with their fans that are so passionate about their music. And I love to hear how it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Well, I would love to touch on that kind of experience of trust for the.
3: Did you know?
0: So we have talked about this before and really the first conversation that we had about this experience of trust and how it just allows the impact of the live music experience to really open up into that potential transcendent experience was with our conversation with Reed Mathis, which was episode four of the Groove Therapy podcast. So way, way long ago. And it's a two-part series, so you'll have to listen to both parts. But Jim Cotta talked about how they have had what makes their kind of relationship with their fans so special is that is the time that they've spent really creating that relationship. So I think that that is really important because the more time that we spend with somebody the, the more we're able to trust them. The more intimate the relationship becomes, the more we're able to trust them. And if you think about it in kind of like nervous system kind of view, like when you are out in the world and you're in a new environment and maybe you're by yourself, there's always this level of looking out and we can't allow ourselves to fully surrender or to let go because our body is designed with the number one purpose of staying alive. So even though we're not consciously thinking about it, our body is unconsciously thinking about survival and protection all the time. So when we go to new Environments or new situations, there's always a part of us that's like scanning the environment to make sure that it's safe, to make sure that nothing's going to happen. And that part, and of course, all of us have different past experiences. So maybe it's more vigilant than others, but we always have that part of ourselves. And so in the live music experience, what we've talked about and what's Tara Lee and I. Experience in ourselves and what we talked about with Reed is like it's usually when we can really surrender and relax into that feeling of trust that those transcendent experiences can come out. And so, what helps to create that is, first of all, being in an environment where even if the setting is new, like the what's happening around us is not new. The people may be different, but the band is going to be the same or similar to something that we've experienced before. Maybe we have our best friends around us, but maybe even we're there by ourselves, but we're in this environment and this experience where we've been there before. We know what's going to happen in a general sense. And we're able to really allow ourselves to like drop those layers of protection that we might have out in everyday life because we can surrender into the fact that everything's gonna be okay. And as we discussed with Katta, it takes them being able to show up in that vulnerable way too, so that our unconscious sees that and feels that and is able to say, oh, okay. They are showing up without these layers of protection. So then I can also allow myself to soften up a little bit and to be here in this experience without having to hold on because I feel like something bad is going to happen. And it's really in that relational experience that that's where we learn safety. You know, if you think about it as a child, Like when we're an infant, we learn safety from our caregivers. And if they are loving and kind and caring and compassionate, and of course, they don't have to be that 100% because that's never realistic. But if we can learn to trust them, then we can learn to trust ourselves and we can learn to trust that things out in life are going to be okay. And even if we don't, and this can be a whole different conversation, but I actually feel That the live music experience can be reparative of somebody who has not had that experience in early childhood.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And we dived into that a lot in that Reed Mathis episode. And so for my section,
3: Daily Jam,
1: your homework is to go listen to episode four. It's a two parter with Reed Mathis and really. Dive in and see how that is for you. Were you nurtured as a baby or did something else happen? And when you go to a show, do you feel safe? Just kind of think about it and see how live music is impacting you and your feeling of safety and trust. And we would love to hear from you about that. So if you wanted to head on over to the Groove Therapy Podcast community on Facebook, we will pose a question there about this. And then um, we would love to hear um, how that was for you. Or if you don't want to share in public, you could send Leah and I a private message.
0: Yeah. Let us know your thoughts. It'd be really cool. And your experience, too. And while you are online, definitely go check out Jim Jimkata at jimkata.com. You can follow them on Spotify at Jimkata, listen to their new album Bonfires, and check out
1: uh, YouTube, too. They made videos to all the songs, so check yeah. them out on YouTube as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. And see when they might be playing your area, because live show sounds like it's where it's at, too.
1: Yeah. And... We're part of the Osiris Podcast Network. If you love live music, then there's going to be a podcast for you there, and so check them all out.
0: Yep, that's OsirisPod.com, and you can follow us on all of the places where you find your podcasts, whether that's Apple Pod or Spotify or any of the million other places where podcasts are found. Definitely, we are give us everywhere. A follow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And leave us a rating and a review on Apple Pod if you are enjoying our podcast. We would really appreciate that. And that's how other people are going to find out about us.
1: Yeah. And if you. Uh- would be willing to share our podcast with one person who is totally into live music and understands like why it's so important for you to go see so many shows and then also share our podcast with one person who maybe doesn't get it so we can convince them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or at least open up their mind a little bit more. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and how about you, Lee? Where can people find
1: you? Well, you can head on over to my website. It is rockinglife.com. And I have a lot of things going on. You could check out my blog over there. Um, every Wednesday, I do an inspirational microdose. And I kind of share all my tips, secrets, and hacks to living a life where you can be your most authentic and expressed self. So there's lots of stuff there. And then also... If you want to go to Costa Rica with me and sparkle in the sun and be in a place where adulting doesn't exist, like where you can leave your responsibilities at the door in the United States and have all of your needs taken care of so you can just be your best self, I would love to have you join me. Musician Haley Jane is coming and this is happening the end of April. And so if you want to go to that on my website, you can find the information there and join me. And if you have any questions about that, let me know.
0: Nice. Everybody, check that out. That sounds so fabulous.
1: Yeah. And Leah, what about you? Well, you can
0: give me a follow on Instagram. I am at Dr. Leah Taylor. And I also have my embodied groove Instagram at embodied groove. And that is my live music dance experience. And I am really working to get some live experiences going. So. Check that out, and um, you'll be sure to find out when I'm going to be doing that. I'm actually have a live. I'm going to be doing a regular gig in the Bay Area at Cornerstone, uh, which is in Berkeley, and I'll be opening up for the Left Handed Monkey Wrench Gang, which is a Grateful Dead cover band with like a rotating cast of musicians. Peter Sawyer, who was uh, one of our past guests. Talking about the spirituality of live music or how it relates to spirituality, it was a really great episode. I don't remember exactly the number, but it was the end of 2021. When did we have that interview? Tara Lee's going to tell you in just a second. I can see she's looking it up right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, i mean to find out this information. You're usually the one that knows the logistical thing. So (laughs) I I feel proud of myself. It's episode 27.
0: Episode 27. So with Pete Sawyer and yeah, he is the the man in charge of Left-Handed Monkey Wrench Gang and he's become a good friend and I'm really excited about supporting his new project and uh they really started I think in 2020 and then of course had to take some time off. So that'll be really fun and happening in Berkeley on the second to the last Sunday night on a regular basis.
1: Amazing, everyone check that out and check out Jim Kata and tell everybody about Group Therapy Podcast and we hope you have an amazing rest of your day. We love you so, 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 so much.
0: Yes, we do. Thank you. Bye, everybody.